Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. Both John chapter 1 verse 1 and Mark chapter 1 verse 1 both use the word beginning. John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Here the word beginning denotes eternity past. John's use of this word is very mysterious, yet Mark, on the contrary, speaks of the beginning of the gospel. The gospel of Mark is unique among the four gospels in opening with the clear expression, the beginning of the gospel. This is Matt Miller with Ron Kangas to bring you some insight from Witness Lee's life study of the gospel of Mark, particularly on this opening verse, the beginning of the gospel. Welcome back, Ron. Thank you. Ron, there's 70 messages in the life study of Mark in total, and the last 19 are entitled, A Life Fully According to and For God's New Testament Economy. Today, in our Life Study Radio program, we're going to cover two of those messages, 55 and 56. And to open up, I'd like to ask you, why is it so important today for our listeners to stay with us for the next half hour of this radio? Now, you really want me to give an honest answer to this question. I do. The reason our listeners need to stay with us is that almost everybody among the believers is in darkness regarding uh, God's economy, regarding the kind of life God desires the believers to live in relation to his economy. If we would turn our hearts to the Lord and humble ourselves before the Lord and become poor in spirit, realizing that there's so much we don't know, we might realize that even in a simple word such as the beginning of the gospel is a marvelous revelation. Most of our listeners and I do not speak with any challenging spirit, you love the Lord, and you love the Word of God, or you wouldn't be listening to this program, would you? And you must be seeking something further in your life with the Lord. And that, I would suggest, is a sign of the Spirit's operation in you as he seeks to shepherd you and to bring you along in your Christian life. What we are presenting in this particular series of messages is not anything common. It will not fit into your background, whatever it is, no matter what your religious heritage is. This is something pure, 
something fresh, yet something absolutely rooted in the divine revelation in the scriptures. This series of messages given by Brother Lee contrasts the life of the God-man Jesus recorded in Mark and the life of a godly man, James, as manifested in his epistle and in the book of Acts. And this comparison shows us the striking difference between a life, James, not fully according to and for God's New Testament economy, and another life, Jesus, that is absolutely according to and for God's New Testament economy. To understand this life, we need to reconsider the gospel of Mark from the beginning. And the beginning of Mark says something amazing about the beginning of the gospel. If this could be open to us and received by us, the Lord would have a way to show us what is the kind of life that is fully according to and for God's New Testament economy. Well, Ron, that's very good. I appreciate your uh, word there, and I think it answers my question, and I think the listeners, any one of them who are listening now, as a seeker of the Lord and a lover of the Lord, there's an echo in their heart that it's not a small thing that they're tuned in right now. Let's go to Witness Lee for today's life study from his original speaking in Anaheim, California on January 28, 1984. To uh, study such a book as Mark is not an easy thing. We have to realize this is not just a biography, neither a book of a story. Let me uh, just point out to you verse 1 of this book again. Verse 1 says, the beginning of the gospel. I like to impress you with this title, the beginning. When this beginning came, what was there? A lot of things were there. A lot of things. Good, positive, even a number of things were ordained by God. All the laws, all the ordinances, rituals, forms, practices, regulations, services, right? Even the temple was there, built through God's miraculous doing. And a priesthood was there and a system, a kind of a legalized worship ordained by God was there. My, all these good things. Now, among so many positive good things, there was a beginning right. of something else. Amen. The beginning Amen. of the gospel of Jesus. This beginning means what? This beginning means termination of all the other things.
Well, Ron, I think that's a good stopping point because I think it's really a difficult matter for the readers of the New Testament and the listeners to this radio program to understand that the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ involves the absolute termination of the old things. So I'm going to ask you to develop this thought before we go any further in today's program. Okay. um, I'll try, and I'd like to proceed this way. First, perhaps to point out that even in our human experience, a beginning involves a termination. Let's suppose a young brother and a young sister, they get married today. Surely that's a new beginning. If getting married is not a new beginning, then what is? Their life has a brand new beginning. They need to realize that that beginning requires a termination of a previous kind of living. You're going to be married. You cannot live as an independent individual anymore. One cannot live... uh, an individualistic life anymore. And with the birth of a child, especially a firstborn, but the principle is the same. That little one is a new beginning. That implies a termination of a lot of things. My point here is that it's not strange, really, to consider a beginning as implying a termination. We're not talking about the beginning in John 1.1, which is with God in eternity. We're talking about the beginning of something in time. And a lot of things preceded what Jesus calls the gospel, the beginning of the gospel. Something is beginning. It's called the gospel. And all that preceded it, even if it was designed to lead up to it, must be terminated by it. So many Old Testament things, religious things, practices that were according to the letter of the word, all must be terminated because something new, the gospel, is beginning. And I don't want to anticipate too much. But what took place upon the announcement of the beginning of the gospel? It was a ministry of baptism. You want to be in this new beginning? John the Baptist is here to prepare the way for this new beginning by baptizing all who came to him. And that baptism indicated termination of everything up to this point. This is radical in the most literal sense. This is a transaction at the level of the root With the coming of Jesus in his ministry to announce the gospel of God, which is the gospel of the kingdom, there is a beginning. If we want to be in this beginning, 
We must be in the termination implied by and required by the beginning. So I don't want to lay too heavy a burden upon our dear listeners, but we're here serving them, ministering to them. If you want to know this beginning, you need to open yourself for a termination that you have never known before, that all the things of the beginning of the gospel will be real and dear and precious to you experientially. Well, Ron, amen. You answered my uh, question, which was to make this clear, this matter of termination before we go on. I think it's time to go back to Witness Lee now. Let me read the verse that you referred to, though. It's in uh, chapter 1, verse 4, because we read verse 1 about the beginning of the gospel, and in verse 4 it says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for forgiveness of sins. Let's go back to Witness Lee for the conclusion of today's life study. Even Jesus came, and he was willing to be baptized. He was willing to be buried. We may ask, was there anything old with Jesus? You see, right away you all answer no. There was nothing old why Jesus needed to be buried. You have to realize he became a man. His humanity still was in the likeness of the flesh of sin. He was still a man, right? In the sense of his deity, he didn't need to be baptized. But in the sense of his humanity, he needed to be baptized. In other words, he needed to be terminated. He needed to be buried. In his baptism, he was willing to have himself put aside. So, when he came out of the water, what happened? The Spirit of God descended upon him. So within him, he has the divine essence. And outside of him, or upon him, he had the Spirit of God. After his baptism, with the Spirit descending upon him, he became a person, absolutely of God, within and without. Not a person of culture, not a person of religion, not a person of ethics, not a person of morality, not a person of good things. No, he became a person absolutely of God. He lived a life of preaching, teaching, giving, casting out, healing the sick, and cleansing the leper. This is his living. Suppose, dear saints, you live such a life of God in your office. Maybe after one year or two years, I tell you, some of your colleagues will be what? Forgiven of sins. Your preaching has caused this one to be forgiven of his sins, and he could have the freedom. This is the result of such a life of God. Jesus lived a life of God, resulting in others' forgiveness. 
in others' joy, in others' satisfaction. This is the life lived fully according to the New Testament economy of God. Ron, we kind of switched between talking about the Lord's life and his willingness to be baptized and terminated and live another life. And then the program ended there with uh, Witness Lee talking about us being willing to live another life and us being terminated. Uh, We shouldn't think that the Lord Jesus is the only one that's able to do this, and we can't, should we? Well, we shouldn't think that God intends only that the Lord Jesus in himself personally lives such a life. Uh, God intends that Christ repeat this life in all of us so that, according to Galatians 2.20, he lives, we the old person no longer live, nevertheless we live this kind of life. Let's um, consider the ministry on the Lord's being baptized. We know from Matthew 3, this was a requirement related to fulfilling righteousness, which means in that dispensation, the Lord required that all human beings be baptized. The Lord although he had no sin, was in the likeness of the flesh of sin and in his humanity was a man in the old creation. For him to be baptized was for him to testify that he would not live even his unfallen, sinless, created human life. He would not live that life. We know from Matthew 1 and from Luke 1 that his origin was the Holy Spirit. He was called the Holy Thing in Luke 1.35. From conception, he was divine and human, God and man. My point here is that he always had and continues to have, of course, in his one person, divinity and humanity, mingled yet distinct. When he was baptized, he declared he would not live and work and minister as a mere man in the flesh. He would repudiate that and all that it entailed. God endorsed this by speaking, this is my son. I delight in him. And the Spirit came upon him to clothe him with power for his ministry. We referred this to the economical spirit. He already had the spirit within him as his divine essence. Now he had 
the Spirit upon him as the divine anointing and power for ministry. Thus he was, and of course is, a person fully enveloped with God. He has God within him, God upon him. God on the inside, God on the outside. Whatever he said was God speaking from within him. Whatever he did was God's doing from within him. God was his living. He did not live merely an ethical life as a Jew or an upright life as a citizen of the community or merely a moral life according to the law. He lived something immeasurably higher. He lived God. The God who was in him was expressed through his living God. Now we have the Lord living within us. If we simply let him live and we live him in our concrete human situations, Brother Lee gave the example of the workplace, this will affect others. Some will desire to believe in the Lord and have their sins forgiven. Others will receive particular grace from the Lord. Although our experience is severely limited, we can testify this is true. This is Jesus, the God-man, living again in us, a life that is fully according to and for God's New Testament economy. This is what God wants. Amen, Ron. I, uh, we're out of time, but I'd like to read just a couple sentences from the Life Study to confirm what you've uh, said and I think as a summary of today's program. The genuine Christian virtues taught by the Bible are not the result of human effort. On the contrary, Christian virtues are the product of the divine life lived out through the believers. Uh, Ron, thanks for coming in and being with us today. You're welcome. Thank you also for joining us. We encourage you to call us to not only get the printed materials, but also to give us your response to what you heard today. We, we love to hear from you by calling us at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Or you can send us an email to radio at lsm.org. Or you can write to Living Stream Ministry, P.O. Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. On behalf of Ron Kangas, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for listening today, and we encourage you to continue with us as we go on through the life study of Mark.
God views the church, the redeemed believers, from a heavenly perspective. Far from seeing her as defeated by the power of sin and sins, God views the church as the triumphant and glorious counterpart of Christ, who fully expresses the one who fills all in all. In The Glorious Church, Watchman Nee discusses four significant representations of the church in the Bible. Eve in Genesis chapter 2, the wife in Ephesians 5, the woman in Revelation 12, and the bride in Revelation 21 and 22. In each instance, he presents the church's high calling to fulfill God's eternal purpose. Recently discovered handwritten notes supplement this new and fresh translation of the glorious church, making it the most complete record of the messages given by Watchman Nee in the fall of 1939 and the fall of 1942. The appendix, The Overcomers and God's Dispensational Moves, is a significant never-before-published portion of these notes. The Glorious Church by Watchman Nee from Living Stream Ministry is available now at Christian bookstores or call 1-888-543-3788. That number again is 1-888-543-3788.